In case you didn't notice, those were the names of God. He is all of those things. All right. Title of the message today is Encountering Jesus. Let me start off. Uh, we're going to be back in the book of John. We'll be finishing John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. Two country guys meet at the Cracker Barrel, and they get to talking. And the first man says, I failed my driving test last week. And the second man asks, well, what'd you fail on? Road signs, replies the first man. The examiner asks me, what sign do you expect to see when driving down a country lane? I replied, fresh farm eggs, $1.29 a dozen. You meet some people who absolutely change the direction of your life, and you meet some people who don't. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus changes the lives of those he comes in contact with. We're back in the Gospel of John, and it was written between 90 and 8100. Scholars also believe that John wrote the three epistles and the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this Gospel. The Gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had been already circulating, and so John wrote from a different perspective. Um, John's gospel has been dubbed by most scholars as the spiritual gospel. John chapter 1, verse 35. And I'll begin in the, in the New King James Version, and it reads, Again, the next day John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God! And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and seeing them, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. And it was about the tenth hour of the day. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, which to be translated for English, by the way, is Savior. And he brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. It can also be translated Peter. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you were under the fig tree. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. 
We ask that you would enlighten our hearts and open our minds to your word, that you would help us to apply it for today and understand it in context. Lord, as we look around us in this room, we ask that you would send the workers in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, as we look next to us, if there's an open spot, we pray for that person that's not there yet, but is coming. And we ask that you would put them there sooner rather than later. And we thank you for it in advance in Jesus' mighty name. The strong Son of God and the church said, Amen. Amen. All right, today, encountering Jesus changes your inner man and transforms your life. Encountering Jesus changes who you are and transforms your life. Number one, encountering Jesus changes your inner man. Verses 35 and I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen for you. It says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon. Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The day after John was standing with two of his disciples, remember, we're coming up to this and, and the day before and, and all this hoopla has happened, and so here we are the very next day, John's standing there with two of his disciples, and Jesus walks up, and John cries out with a loud voice, he says, look, there is the Lamb of God. And the day earlier, he had called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This time, he shortens it. You ever wonder why? Well, one, he's already declared it. He's already declared that he is the Lamb of God. And two, it's because John's disciples had been with him and heard him preach and teach, so they knew the significance of what he said. He didn't have to say it all. Well, then what happens? Then the disciples who were with John, guess what? They abandoned John and followed Jesus because they knew they were waiting for the Messiah. They knew he was the Messiah, the Savior, and they followed him. You know, increasingly today, this doesn't happen anymore. More, the, no more are people raised in a church. Did you know that? Did you know that most of Generation Z has never darkened the door of a church? And if they have, it's been for a wedding or a funeral, and that's about it. Americans today don't know what they don't know. It's common to hear amongst Christians, you've got to get them lost before you can get them saved. And that sounds weird to us because we're used to people being raised in the church where you could say, hey, you're in sin, and they know what sin is. Today they don't. So what does this mean? It means most people today don't understand the need to ever have a Savior from their sin. You've got to take them all the way back to Genesis and then point out the sorry state of our world is because of sin, and then you can take them to the gospel which is the good news. So when we witness 
I say start with the definition of sin because they don't understand the word. They've never really heard it. And then tell them about how sin messed everything up, including themselves. And from there, you can move into the Romans Road real quick. Abbreviated version is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you, me, everybody. Then you can take them to 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a gift. It's given. And then you can take them to Romans 5.18, which says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Listen. Adam sinned when he disobeyed God. And we were in Adam. And therefore all sin, according to the Scripture. And sin simply means you missed the mark. You're not perfect. You didn't make that right shot with an arrow. Think of a man with an archery, with an arrow. He's trying to hit that bullseye. He misses. Guess what? In the name of the, of the, of the terminology, he, it could be said he sinned because he missed the bullseye. And Romans 10.13, though, does tell us something that because of the second Adam, Because of Jesus who came, who died on a cross, who rose from the grave, guess what? Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not will be, might be, should be, going to be, period, done, deal, done. Then you can just give them a brief testimony. How you were before you came to Jesus. What happened when you came to Jesus. And then how you are now. That's that's just a basic witnessing plan. It's a little more in depth than most people use. But if you're not comfortable with it, you can just give them your testimony. The point is to share that Jesus. To share Jesus. This Jesus whom was crucified and rose again, share him with others. So that others can follow him, just as John's disciples did on the road. Jesus asked them a simple question, what do you want? They wanted to know where he's staying, but Jesus still asks us that question today. What do you want? Why do they want that information? Well, they've just been told that he was the Messiah and they want to spend some time with him, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to spend time with the guy who's supposed to bring salvation to the people? Yes. Does he respond with a no? Does Jesus say, no, I don't have time for you, I've got greater things? No, he doesn't. Does he tell them, take a hike? No, he doesn't. He invites them Come on, spend some time with me. He invites them. Jesus wasn't too busy for people actually seeking him out. And you know what? He's not too busy today either for people to actually seek him out. You can go to him. You can spend time in his presence. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? Through prayer and the word of God. If you're saved. If you've received him as your personal Lord and Savior.
you can spend as much time with him as you want. Andrew was one of the disciples that followed him and spent time with him that afternoon. And so the next day he grabs Simon and he says something like, Dude, we found the Savior, come on! And so they they go to meet Jesus. And when they get there, Jesus looks really intently at Simon. I mean like stares at him deep in his soul. You ever have someone do that to you? That's, uh, that, that's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? They just stare at you. Well, imagine how Simon feels at this moment when he comes face to face with the Holy One of Israel. When he comes face to face with holiness itself made flesh. When he comes face to face with God. He probably want to jump out of his skin, don't you think? I think so. Then Jesus opens, Jesus opens his mouth and is like, Hey, I know your name is Simon, son of John, but from now on your name is Cephas, which means Peter, which means a stone or rock, by the way. And notice Simon Peter didn't protest this. He didn't say, I don't think so. He didn't say, you can't change my name. Why? Because he'd come face to face with God himself. Who's going to be indignant in this situation. I'd be like, okay, Jesus, anything else you want to change? My hair color, language, speech patterns? You go right on ahead and do it. You're the potter, I'm the clay, whatever you want. At least I'd like to think I'd respond that way. Romans 9.20, by the way, says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump? to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor. The point is, and is still the point today, when you come into the presence of Jesus, you're never the same again. You're changed. Let me tell you what happens to somebody who comes down to the altar and says a prayer and doesn't really mean it and goes and gets baptized. You know what happened? They went down in the baptismal waters, a dry center, and came up a wet one. That's it. Like I say, I can introduce you to Jesus, but I can't save you. You got to want it. You got to seek him. Have you met Jesus? Has he changed you? Were you one way and then you had an encounter with him and And now you've noticed that you're a different person. He took things out and put new things in. If not, then you need to ask yourself, am I saved? I mean, really plumb those depths of your heart and find out the truth. Am I saved? Have you met Jesus and had an experience with Him that that did change you? But now you feel stale, like old bread. Then you need to plumb the depths of your heart and cry out to Him from the bottom of your heart and ask Him to continue to change you to be more like Him. Continue on that road. Seek Him. He says those that seek will find. Will you be a seeker today? And number two, encountering Jesus transforms your life. John 1.43 says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. 
Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, Now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaims, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So here we go. This is the day after the day after. So we're three days out. Simon is renamed to Peter, and Jesus decides, hey, let's go to Galilee. Jesus says to Philip, who was from the same city as Andrew and Peter, to come follow him. Hey, I'm going to Galilee. You come on. And Philip went to look for Nathanael and let him know that the Messiah is here. Now, Nathanael, like so many today, he kind of makes a, a little bit of a wisecrack, doesn't he? A little wiseacre there. Can anything good come from Nazareth? question is, is did he really mean that? I think it's kind of both. I think he made a wisecrack and he meant what he said. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And again, this is a time of a lot of false messiahs and religious teachers. And, and so Philip makes this wise crack about Nazareth. And Nazareth wasn't exactly a rich city. And matter of fact, it was kind of um, just not with it. Let's put it that way. And it, it, it had its detractors. It had its problems. And so the contest of the joke actually makes sense, doesn't it? And so Jesus gives Nathaniel an interesting welcome and says... Now, here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Now, depending on Nathaniel's character, Jesus is either ribbing him or he truly let him know that he knows his true character. Now, see, there are going to be people who disagree with me on that, but that's okay. This is the United States. You have the right to be wrong. You know, you'll get that on the way home, some of you. Some will disagree with me. But I think Jesus was doing a bit of both. He knew, he knew all about Nathaniel. And he said he was a man of complete integrity. And, but, but he really couldn't have been because since all of us are born in sin and no one is of absolute holy nature or holy character, I think this response carries with it Nathaniel's reputation and a small ribbon from his joke about anything good coming out of Nazareth. And this tells me, you know what that tells me? It tells me it's all right to have fun in church. You know, Jesus had a sense of humor. You know that, right? You know that whole parable about the guy with the plank in his eye? And we'll get there eventually. You know that's called hyperbole. And that, that was Jewish humor. Just imagine a guy walking around with a plank in his eye, smacking everybody as he's going, you know? A two-by-four. So Jesus had a sense of humor. 
And he used humor a lot to get his point across. And so Nathaniel says, how do you know about me? And Jesus, being the second in the Trinity, God himself, shows his divinity by saying that he saw him under the fig tree while Philip was still searching for him. Nathaniel was shocked, and he knew that no one else would ever be able to see this except the Son of God, the Messiah, because it was supernatural. How could he see me? He wasn't anywhere near me. So Jesus is like, you think that's good? Just wait and see what else is going to happen. So what does this mean to us? How do we apply this? Well, number one, we know our God never changes. Our God never changes. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he could see Nathaniel, he can see you and knows all that you're going through. Just hang in there and see the hand of God at work. He doesn't normally do things in our time frame, but in his own time. It'll be the right time because he is God. He sees and knows your hardships, and he will either stop them or walk you through them. 2 Peter 3.8 says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. And number two, when God's hand does move, it usually shocks us. We're like the man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. Mark 9.17 tells us about this. And it reads, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father, and he replied, since he was a little boy. And the Spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead, and a murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Why is it? There are many times that you and I, we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And then when God comes through on something, we can't believe it. It blows our minds. Even though we've been praying about it, it shouldn't shock us because we've been believing God, haven't we? To do something if it's in accordance with His will. Have you ever been like this man? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
I've been there many a time. You know, we prayed for a man once in a church service who was having some kidney problems. We called people. The pastor just felt like we needed to call people up, and so we did. I was a youth pastor at the time. And we need to call people up for healing. And we did what James says, anoint them with oil and pray. And we didn't realize how many sick people there was in the crowd that day. But we prayed. We gathered them all at the front. Deacons, elders, everybody just laid on hands and prayed on them. This one man came back the next week. We prayed for a man who was having some kidney problems. And the doctors did, you know, their images and said a particular artery or whatever was plugged up. And... It needed cleaning out. And we prayed as a church and we laid hands on him. And you know what happened? We do these things sometimes and we say, God, we know you're the great physician. But then when he turns into the great physician, we're like, wow, God, you did that? Well, that's exactly what happened. You see, you're only supposed to have one of these, whatever it was, an artery or whatever. And over a week's time, they said, you know what, we should do some more images before we do this do this, this surgery one more time. For whatever reason, the doctor said, we need to do it. And they took that image. And guess what? He put the old image here and a new image here. And he says, I don't know how it happened, but you got a new one bypassing the old one. It ain't on this one, but it is on this one. You see, when God does a true miracle, it's verifiable. It's documented. The doctors said it was impossible, but God said it was possible. And it happened. Our God is still in the miracle-working business of today. Did you know that? Jesus still heals the sick. Well, why does He heal one and not the other? Well, I don't know. I'm not God. But remember, Paul had a thorn in the flesh that he prayed for three times to be removed. And it wasn't removed. But God said His grace was sufficient for him. It's up to God as to what he does and does not do. And who are we to question God? Our job is to just simply pray and believe. As the ladies come today, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is a miracle-working God? I believe God is a miracle-working God. And the greatest miracle of all is salvation from our sins. We don't put enough stock in that because we can, it's not something you can necessarily see without monitoring somebody's life for a little while and seeing the change. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that if you were to die right now, you'd wake up in heaven? If you can't say yes, then you need to get sure. Whether you're on the stream, whether you're on the podcast, whatever, whether you're here, if you can't say yes, then you need to get sure. You need to cry out. I told you earlier, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But there's a gift. There's a gift that will take us out of that because the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, His Son. And how do we receive that gift? By calling upon the name 
of the Lord. Jesus, help me. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, be my Lord. Whatever you want, I give it to you. I confess it. He'll do it right then. Right at that moment. Those of you that have been Christians for a while, has your walk kind of grown stale? When's the last time you've seen a real miracle of God? When's the last time you talked to God? Heck, when's the last time you opened your Bible throughout the week? When's the last time you prayed? He said, keep knocking. Keep asking. And those things will be opened unto you. Perhaps maybe you're in that situation. Perhaps maybe you need to say, Jesus, I don't know what's going on between me and you. But Jesus, I need something new from you. Better yet, I need something old from you. I need you to restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, I could use some peace. Lord, here am I. I don't know where else to go. Where else would I go? You have the words of salvation. Too often, we forget that. Too often, we try everything else before we turn to Jesus. Christian, it's time to turn back to Jesus. Time to stay with Jesus. So as we stand and sing the invitation hymn, if you need to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you come right on up and I'll introduce you to him. If you want special prayer, you come on right up. I'll, get you, I'll pray with you. We're two, one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight, the scripture says. We'll agree. See what God does. If you'd like to join this church by letter, by statement, or baptism, we can do that too. You just come on up during this time. Miss Joe.